0: All right. All right. Hello, everyone. Hami here, 6 a.m. Run podcast. I'm losing track of the numbers, but it'll be in the title. Hope everyone is doing well. I'm um, just coming off of, I think this is Valentine's week, but you guys will be hearing this a little later. Really excited for this guest. And we were just having our kind of like outline and kind of like uh, talk or whatever you call it before the podcast started. And this is a podcast where I'm right now, I'll tell you guys with confidence over the next 30, 45 minutes, I myself, I'm going to learn so much. So I'm really excited for the 6am run family to really get a lot out of this podcast. We have the founder of nourishher.com. You're going to learn about that site. I don't want to mess up her credentials. So let me introduce her, Amelia Sherry. Can you please now go ahead and you introduce yourself with the right nutritional credentials that you because it's really amazing and I'm very impressed. How are you, Amelia?
1: I'm great, Hami. So nice to meet you. I'm so excited for your new venture and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I have a list of credentials that mean probably not a lot to anyone, but I have a master's in public health nutrition. I'm a registered and certified dietitian and I'm a certified diabetes counselor and education specialist. So those are all the credentials I have. Um, And I have a background in special training in eating disorders and what we call family feeding dynamics. And I have private practice and I also work with families and mothers in particular who are raising girls. That's like my very, very niche area, but I have a larger practice as well.
0: So can we start with an When I found that resume and when I found nourisher.com, just like like I just said, I I don't mean to say that, just to just say that it was very impressive. And I'm looking for, we talked about this a little earlier, guests who can both, I always put myself in the 6am run, listener, customer, whatever you want to, my family, I call them kind of space. And I knew this would be very educational. But also, too, in, in our emails where we kind of introduced each other, you also run as well. Running is one of your forms, personal forms of um, exercise. And you've done running and you said, you know, you can speak to that. So, you know, our audience very well. Can you give us a little also snippet? So I love there's no pro runner. It's not like a basketball player that could be a professional basketball player. You're either a great runner or you just run. I found that through my audience. Um, and all runners are accepted in this community, which I love more than anything. But can you give us also that running background we briefly touched on?
1: Sure. Yeah. As far as running community, I had that experience this weekend. Um, I'm based in New York and I'm part of the New York Roadrunners. It was like a blizzard on Sunday morning and I was signed up for a race and I was, you know, debating on the couch at 5 a.m. Should I go? Should I not go? Such a great excuse, you know, not to go down there between the roads and everything else. But of course I went down because in my mind was like, those runners, they're going to be there, right? And I'm so happy that I went because that community is amazing, you know, and it has no reflection of how fast or slow you're running, just getting out there, being together. I didn't even talk to anyone to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm an introvert, but you feel that community like so strongly and just the mentality of like, we're going to get outside. We're going to move our body. We're going to work hard if we want to, we're going to slow down, you know, when we need to, um, it's so great. It's exhilarating. So I, any runner community, I'm happy to be part of, I'm really grateful for that.
0: So you'll appreciate this. And I, and I loved finding out you're in the New York area and the Westchester area. So because my first marathon was this past November, originally the 50th, I had congratulations. I thank you. Thank you. But I'm from Delaware and no disrespect for my Delawareans out there, but Delaware is just not as scenic. So I wanted my first marathon. I knew if I'm running 26 miles, let me at least go through a scenic place. Right. But I did not realize that The crowds and every borough, people made this a party. People were on their stoops, drinking, pre-gaming of sorts. And, you know, it was just, my goal was, I didn't care about time. My goal was just not stopping that jogging motion. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to walk. And I was hurting the next day. I've never ran so much. And in my training, I had only gotten up to 19 miles. But yeah, no, to your point, real quick to that question when you say about not getting up, not in the cold. And I think we're going to get into the the women aspect. And and you talked a little Mm -hmm. bit, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, some body dysmorphia a little Mm -hmm. bit. So my thing on running and why I need to run seven days a week, that may not, and so many people tell me that's not good for my body. But, and I know you deal with women mostly, but can you explain to me and my mentality? I don't feel I can eat And I know this sounds crazy and I'm a man, but I think men have body dysmorphia too. I don't think I can eat every day unless I run and in a way of sorts earn it. Do you see that a lot?
1: Absolutely. That is something that we've tried to get away from in my practice with people that I work with. That is a form of feeling that you need to earn your food and we do not need to earn our food. We need to eat every day to sustain ourselves To We need carbohydrates for energy. Our brain, you know, burns through so many carbohydrates every day. We need all kinds of vitamins, minerals, fats, proteins. And we just really, to keep it simple, we do need to nourish ourselves and eat daily. And we do not need to earn it. That is actually something that we try to un to work back from, you know, in my practice mm-hmm. with moms and, and all patients and myself. And as initially you asked me about my history with running and I had a very disordered relationship with food growing up and I was a over-exerciser. I ran a lot purely to burn calories, you know, right. miles and miles and miles and to earn my food to kind of repent if I ate what I considered to be too much. And that's very dysfunctional, disordered. I do not condone that approach at all for people now because I have grown a lot and I've come away from that. But my activity now and my running is a way to sustain and to my mental health and to just, it's a therapeutic way to reconnect with my body and eating is a body-led experience. So we always want to turn inward to our body, listen to our body. What are we hungry for? What is our appetite like at any given point in time? And running is a way to reconnect with your somatic experience. You know, I love running, running isn't for everyone, but I love getting really into that breath work and just You have to be present in your body when you're working hard with running. You know, I'm a very anxious person, so I need a very fast-paced activity. Some people could do it with yoga, which is also wonderful, but very different, right, from running. So, yeah, we don't need to earn our food, people. We need to eat regardless of whether we go on a run or not, for sure.
0: I think you just hit the nail on the head. The the second part of my seven day a week, it's you know, as running a company, founder, CEO, you are an entrepreneur, so you know this very well. There's so many things on a day to day basis and stresses, and we'll get into this too. But I'm a father of two, 14 year old who's got games, training. I have to you know make sure my wife is happy, right? Happy wife, happy life is the saying, of course. And then I have my youngest, who I I'm trying to you know, slow down time because I see how fast they grow. But I think what I'm getting at is I'm not a meditator. I don't know if you want to call it. I've never been diagnosed with ADHD or anything, but there definitely is a one of the reasons I run one hour every day and it becomes about six miles or so every morning. It is because that is the hour when even the music, I might run to a podcast or music, but as you just said, that kind of sometimes tunes up because I get so wrapped up in my thoughts. And Amelia, if you can kind of share this real quick, and I do want to get into the nourishment part and nutrition part, but sometimes it's like driving and people say they drive to a destination and they don't remember how they got there. You know what I mean? I finished my run and I feel better. I feel kind of like more like, okay, like I burned some anxiety off. I burned some anger. There's obviously some days you're angry at something, but I finished a run and I'm like, I don't remember the hour. It just like was like a blip. Is that it's got kind of the mental part you're also talking about as well? Because I feel like that, again, going back to, and I want to two-part question one, that's why I do also seven days a week. Yes, I know it's bad that I say I want to earn my food. That's one Super Bowl Sunday. I really felt I had to earn that day. But then also the other part is an hour of a break. Uh, Phone is off in terms of calls, no crying kids, nobody, you know, complaining to me or upset at anything. It's an hour of just nothing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, if you can speak to that for one second.
1: Sure. Well, we know there's tons of research behind the mental health benefits of being physically active. So de-stress, there are all kinds, there's a cascade of brain chemicals that go off when you are physically active. So that is that, you know, beautiful feeling you kind of get where you're more relaxed. And it really is a chance. It is a form of meditation, right? Because you are tuning out of all of those distractions and tuning back into your body. So it is extremely therapeutic. I think the whole thing about having to earn your food, this is, I I think running seven days a week, if you could sustain that and enjoy and it feels good is wonderful. I think changing your mindset around it is the really important piece. So just changing your mindset that we don't have to run seven days or whatever your regime is. To earn our food, but we do have to do it to take that time out and really reconnect with ourselves, re- get those therapeutic benefits that have nothing to do with calorie burning, nothing to do with weight control or management, or even health benefits, which, yes, there are many physical health benefits, but I really like to focus on the mental health and the emotional mm. benefits that we get from it, which are well-documented in, in science. Oh and, you know, we, yeah. you know, you know, talk about that a lot. Yeah. You know. I'll,
0: I'll end on this. If you read Phil Knight, the CEO, the founder of Nike, if you read his book, Shoe Dog, and one of the things I loved, I listened to his book while I was running. Actually, I didn't read it. I shouldn't lie. I listened to the audiobook of it. What I love was he said, and he, you know, University of Oregon, big track, like that's the biggest track and field college in the country. Obviously, Nike sponsors them and he's from there. But he said like whenever he would see his temper start to go up or he was going to go off on an employee or his own family, literally what he would do is he would take whatever he was doing. Obviously, being a CEO of Nike kind of allows this. He would literally just go and go for a run. And sometimes it would be a one mile run. Sometimes it would be a 10 mile run. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. The book was really good. And he said that way he could come back to the situation and handle it with a clearer mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that that was very, you know, again, um, to read one of the things, and I do want to say this, I was debating how to also say this, I while we're on the topic of earning your food in our pre-call of sorts that we just had before I hit, uh, you know, the record button, I asked Amelia, if we could talk about, Body weight, you know what I'm going to say? We were, if we could talk about body weight and calorie intake. And if we could touch base on that, you quickly and educated me. And I want, I really am excited for our audience to learn some more about that. We talk about eating healthy. Can we get into some of the healthy habits you recommend for runners to look for or to start having when they're looking to eat or calorie intake? Or maybe even two, if we can also talk about that and then also your, your opinions on vegan on style of eating. Is it different for people? I'm really curious if you don't mind taking maybe five minutes and educating our our listeners on the best ways to improve their eating habits.
1: Sure. First of all, I just want to say that I'm not a sports dietitian. I am a runner and an athlete in my private life no, no, and no, no. I'm an eating disorder um, and di- dietitian. So they're two different things. But I think What you brought up in the question you're asking is initially you said, could I give some calorie counts for, you know, based on, I think, different body weights for your audience? And I was very quick to say, no, absolutely not, because I don't do that. Again, we want to turn into our bodies and listen to our bodies. And if we're hungry, we need to eat. And if we're not so hungry, we can honor that as well and eat less. The reason I asking for calorie counts is something that my clients always do. And like the first session, Okay, can you just tell me how many calories to eat? The reason that I don't do that is because calorie intakes vary. Our needs vary tremendously. And that flies in the face of everything we read because we can look up on the internet or look up on a book in a book and find out, oh, if I weigh this much and I'm this age, I should eat that. Well, that is a generalization and it does not necessarily apply to you, your genetics, your biology, your, you know, all your uniqueness. So we don't want to take information from the outside world and use that to define our eating, because that's where things get really disordered because we're not listening to our body. We're reading it in a book, right? And of course I work with families and children, and we don't ever want to do that to our kids either. We don't want to say, Oh, Hey, you know what? You had too many calories today. I know you're telling me you're hungry, but you're not. We don't ever want to do that because kids lose body trust. And it seems easier for adults to take that in when we're talking about their child, but it's much harder for them to do it for themselves because we've been taught over and over from culture, from what we call diet culture and healthism, that there's information out there that we just need to, you know, buy and read and follow and our health and our weight will be in this magical, perfect place. And it's, Absolutely. It's not true. You know, it's false. So that's why I don't give calorie counts. First of all, basic factual information is that could be very incorrect. Mm -hmm. I can't say exactly how many calories that any individual needs, unless we put you in a tank and see what you're, you know, we're not going to do that. Right. So that's why I don't give out calorie Mm -hmm. counts. Also in research, like linked to disordered eating and eating disorders, people who count calories tend to Get into these really disordered patterns. So I would never want to send anyone off into that direction. How can I answer your other questions though? Like, yeah, what do so you-
0: that, And then that's so. When you said that, I loved learning about that in our, our pre-call. What I also now wanted to ask is: so based on that, do you cater? If I came to you, let's say I'm your brand new client, I came to you and I said, Amelia, I love steak. Would you cater? Would you say the meet-in? Okay that's great. We will cater a diet around that particular protein that you love. Or does your nutrition programs, do you sway people toward, let's say, and this is new for me, I don't know. So do you sway people toward a vegan, a vegetarian lifestyle? Is there something you recommend on that angle?
1: So any good dietitian is a great listener. And where I would do is listen to ask you what your goals are. And we would get really clear on them. Usually people have one primary goal. Sometimes they have two goals that are in a little conflict with each other. So, and from there we would work back and I find out also what, foods you like, what your eating habits are. And then we keep reflecting back on your goals. So if your goal, like, I don't know, would be to, you know, run a certain amount of time. Again, I'm not a sports dietitian. So no, usually no, no, no. people who come to me don't have that goal. It might be to lower their cholesterol, to get their blood sugar in order to help their child to eat more balanced or more vegetables. Those are the kinds of goals that my clients usually have. Then we would work back from there. And then we would work, figure out a diet plan that, I wouldn't even really say a diet plan, but an eating style and um, maybe some specific meals, things like that, that can support you and help you get closer to your goal. And I don't push one particular eating style over another at all. We're all individuals and we all eat. We have different likes. Taste with food, and we are totally, you know it's our right to do that. So if someone comes to me and says that they are a vegetarian or a vegan, then we work with that and figure out how to reach whatever their unique goals are within the foods that they want to limit themselves to.
0: That's amazing. I love that. So you listen to the clients' needs if you like you said, it's not sports nutrition. But if I also came to you, though, and I said, so when we go back to the moms and the kids, one of the things, my first daughter, I'm i am going to use this as an example. My first daughter, she, I never forget. And when I, I gained a lot of weight having my first child, and I'm a dad, I know you, you deal with moms and, and deal with women, but I feel like I think a lot of dads don't admit some things. So having my first daughter, her mom and I split, but so we had 50-50 custody. What happened to me in gaining weight when I had my first daughter 14 years ago was, you know, and I'm sure you hear this all the time. Daddy, I want nuggets, right? You make six nuggets, she eats two. Well, I'm not going to throw the other four nuggets away, right? What happens? I eat those. We go to McDonald's, same thing. She doesn't finish. All right, I'll eat that cheeseburger, right? I think then what I'm also, what I learned from my first daughter was we have to also start there. I'm not saying don't let kids eat. I love you know that you say eat, eat, eat. But what I learned from my first daughter that we tried to change when my wife and I had my second was, okay, look, if we are eating healthy, we also need to have her eat healthy as well. So if she's eating, again, and it can be carbs, I, I don't want to restrict anything. But for example, we now do fast food just once a week maximum right? Like if that, if we're on the road and then the kids need to eat, but if it's a weeknight and we're not on the road, we have to figure out a way to get home, make a meal, order a healthier meal from a restaurant. Even, you know what I mean? Do you also see a lot of families going through the same thing that with that in regards to that?
1: With regards to struggling with weight gain when you have kids or with regards to having both, meals, weight
0: gain, both weight gain and eating the right foods and the right. The healthy foods, I mean, obviously it's no secret, fast foods are a lot of times junk.
1: Yeah. So first of all, I love what you said about prioritizing having the meal. So getting home to have meals with your family is hugely beneficial to everyone in your family. It's beneficial to your relationship. We also have research that shows that families, kids who eat with their families regularly have better nutritional intake. They do better in school. They get better grades. They have better peer relationships. There's so many benefits relationship-wise, emotionally, and physically with their actual health and nutrition to having those family meals. That said, preparing a family meal every night is some parents and families pull it off no problem. Some parents struggle with it. If you need to have a fast food meal or order in in order to do that, absolutely go ahead and do it. Because I know that just the act of sitting down together as a meal, regardless of what's on the table, and that is what is shown in research, regardless, th- these benefits were seen in families across the board. They did not analyze what they were eating. So that's great. Sometimes we have to do that and not, and having a more neutral attitude towards food, it is still nourishment, whether it comes from a fast food restaurant or your grandmother made it. You know, it is still nourishment. It does have calories, it does have protein, it does have carbs. It's important to acknowledge and kind of destigmatize these foods as well so that your kid can feel, you know, good about the meal. We don't want to walk away from the table and and negate everything by saying, "Well, we ate, but we feel guilty because it wasn't healthy." You know, we don't want to do that, right? We want to no. really help kids have what we call eating competence or a lot of confidence in their eating that they prioritize meals, they made time, they sit down and they eat. And that's what we want them to do as they get older as well. So great job making that a priority for your family. I think that's awesome.
0: And I think the pandemic helped that, to be honest with you, what I love that I kind of now I'm like, I'm looking back on it. I'm like, man, I kind of miss like having to be home and not being allowed to leave your house. Yeah. Like, I, think, <laughs> I think sometimes we're going to look back on that as crazy as it sounds, knock on wood. I'm glad things are getting better and people are getting healthier. But I like, I love that. Like I miss kind of like, I tell my wife sometimes I'm like, I'm, we're going to look back and kind of miss that we were like, like a snow day, right? Like you're forced to like stay at home, right? Yeah. Um, let's get into I'm really excited like I said I know a lot of our clients are in that position can we get into nourishercom what made you start that where you saw the need for that website that company of soft sorts and if I'm wrong on that but where you saw that that was a niche that needed you know your advice your expertise and can we talk a little bit I want people to really find nourishercom and I'll tell people when we post this I'm going to put all your contact information there Justin what is it i think it, it it's it's 10:42 in the morning right now we've been now on the on the zoom for a few minutes what i love about you before you get into your company and everything you're so positive on everything like i feel like a lot of people and i've talked to other nutritionists they're so negative let me ask that first before what brought this positive approach in you cuz i rarely see that with a lot of nutritionists and i don't know if you understand how what i mean but they like that's deadly that's this is that this is that I don't think I've ever seen a positive approach like yours in a nutritionist. Was that like a unique approach that you purposely were like, I'm going this route?
1: Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment. You just made my day. I think that we all need to just be more grateful for the fact that we, the majority of us, if we're, you know, if you're having time to say go running or listen to a podcast, that is a huge privilege. The majority of us don't have to worry about the fact that, We don't know if we're going to have enough food to eat today, right? Right. Feeding ourselves regularly and reliably, having the ability to do that is huge. And we just need to feel grateful for it. And I want parents, especially, to stop feeling negative, to stop beating themselves up about how they feed their kids and just really give themselves a lot of credit. Hey, I'm feeding my kids. I'm doing a great job. Instead of getting into the minutiae of like, well, they didn't eat enough vegetable. Well, today we ate at the restaurant. It wasn't a good idea. You know. We don't need to go there. And our whole culture of food right now is very fear-based. We're afraid of all kinds of foods. We're afraid to eat everything. We want to make sure everything is you know, clean and perfect. And that causes a lot of stress and negativity. And Nourisher was created to help moms in particular, but all parents, because I do it in my private practice as well with moms and dads. But women are very prone or very vulnerable to this extra pressure to eat in a certain way, not just to maintain their health, but also to maintain this thin ideal and a smaller, tighter, leaner body, right? So then they come into to becoming a mother and becoming in charge of teaching other people how to eat. And there is sort of an unconscious at times transmission of that pressure onto our kids. And we really, I want to help moms avoid it. And I've experienced it myself, even just knowing, you know, knowing the risk of eating disorder, knowing how much pressure people put on eating and how much pressure we inadvertently put on our kids to eat certain ways. I still sometimes fall victim to it. And I'll say, you know, to my child, oh, you know, we're not going to eat that because, or are you sure you had, you didn't, you know, sure you didn't have enough vegetables. Like I still do that sometimes. So I really wanted to make Nourisher as a resource for, moms who might be have this like sort of dieting history, chronic dieting or even eating disorder and to help them be really positive, supportive models for their own daughters so they don't go down that route. And I kind of went off on a tangent there, but mm. be, having a po- like just feeling grateful for the fact that you can feed yourself and that you have the ability to feed your kids on a day to day basis. You know, think globally, think about the world. That is a huge, huge gift. We don't need to fear all of these foods the way that we do. That is really just built into the culture we're living in right now. And it doesn't need to be like that. You know, people can survive on a variety of diets. The human body can eat a variety of foods and be very well nourished. And we don't need to stress out about every single thing we put in our mouth and you know same thing with mindset with like the activity we don't need to work out just to be lean and healthy we need to work out because it feels good and it's a source of you know way to re- to reconnect with our deeper self and with eating we don't need to eat just to be healthy or just yeah. you know to avoid some disease or you know to be a certain body type we need to eat because it's part of it's like the most important part of our day, right? We, if we don't do that. We're not going to be alive, right? And, well,
0: and- No, and it's I, I mentioned that I went through things having a new dad. And at one time I was a sing, a, kind of like a single dad, not really. And I'm going to get to this point in a second. And then I was married with my second child. And, and I'll, I'll get to what I'm about to say in a second. My first child with Layla, our audience kind of knows my family. I put them out there a little bit. My ex, she could not breastfeed, right? And I never forget that the postpartum she got from not being able to breastfeed and feeling like, and again, this isn't a bad thing because she is a great mom, by the way, but she felt like a failure, right? And there was a postpartum effect of not being able to breastfeed. But me, I'm like, I won't say her name, but I'll say, I was like, hey, look, formula's fine. Layla was very, she's very fit now she's a basketball player star basketball player but i never forget we went formula she was very well fed she became very chunky i was like great healthy baby right but she went through postpartum feeling like a failure that she couldn't breastfeed then fast forward i have to admit i thought oh that's a one-off situation i had my second child and my wife now was very well able to breastfeed but then it became exactly what you're just saying every time i'd be like hey babe do you want to eat this let's have this for dinner because she was breastfeeding, she was like, I don't want to put that in my body. I'm no, we're not going to have a glass of wine with dinner. Like she became overly protective of what was going in her body because that was obviously going into the baby. So I'm guessing what I'm about to say, you deal with on daily basis with new moms, right? Like, do you see that that postpartum? So when my second wife and second child, that really taught me like, and I cursed a little bit, Amelia, so forgive me. I was like, holy shit, like postpartum it wasn't just one off with my first child, like women who have newborns, like they're very stressed out. Right. So as (laughs) much as I say, I'm a dad and I go through dad things. I will never say that I go through what some moms go through like, and now seeing it twice, I hate to say this, but I had to see two different women go through two various things of it before I was like, holy shit, like women like really take this like seriously. And go through a lot of mental stress having a child. So, and I didn't say that in our pre-call, but that's what I loved about Nourisher Because I got to assume you're getting those calls daily.
1: Yeah. I don't work with new moms, but I can tell you from personal experience, first of all, postpartum is so underrecognized. I give you so much credit for being so kind of responsive and really aware of what was going on with both your partners and also so much so that you could see the nuances and the differences. This is a great example of all this pressure that we put on ourselves. Yes, breastfeeding, there's lots of research that shows that it's highly, there's a lot of benefits behind it, but there is so much pressure on a new mother now. You know, the pendulum has swung from decades ago when my mother was young. No one was supposed, to, you know, she was told not to breastfeed. Her breasts were bound down to make sure she didn't produce milk. And then when I had a child, there's so much pressure to breastfeed. And that's negative pressure because there's no reason that a woman should feel like a failure if she doesn't produce milk or maybe doesn't want to breastfeed for some reason you can be, again, remember, we can survive on a variety of nutrients. You can raise a perfectly healthy child who has on formula and everything is going to be fine. But like, it's a shame that your partner felt so much pressure to breastfeed that she, that experience of just being there with her child, that newborn stage was taken away from her. And of course, postpartum is based on a multitude mm-hmm. of factors, you know, not just that, but I'm sure that that contributed to it. And then it sounds like you also have the other experience of feeling seeing your child's mother feel the pressure of every single little thing that goes into her body and right, that's what I want to talk more with yeah, you. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just unnecessary. You know, okay, yes, maybe the alcohol we want to limit, but the other foods, you know, unnecessary to worry about every single thing we eat. We want to eat as a mother, whether we're we want to eat enough, first right. of all, for oh, nursing, yeah. we need to eat enough to produce this extra milk. And it's just ashamed to feel all that pressure. I've had many moms tell me, you know, their child's constipated or this or that when they're nursing. And then all of a sudden mom's like eliminating tons of things from her diet to help, which is so wonderful. But all that pressure, can you imagine, like you're now taking all these things out of your diet and you're running the risk of being malnourished. So what happens is sometimes those things happen and they're not based in any evidence, you know, it's just anecdotal. So we're kind of like, doing all these things. We don't even know if it's really going to make a difference, but yeah, just, there is a lot of pressure on new moms and, mm. and everyone in general, I would say.
0: My last question, and and I probably, I'm kind of coming down to my last couple of questions, but, and I want you to kind of, anything we missed that you'd love to say, I want our audience to hear. And like I said, I'm going to recommend our audience who are looking for kind of a telenutritionist to be able to contact you. We'll, again, I, I'm repeating myself, but we'll put everything out there. One of the things also, I'll, I'll come back to using myself as an example. I'm 42 right now, my big thing has been gut health, right? I go to a big dinner, or a a sit down dinner or Thanksgiving meal, or, you know, so quote unquote, you know, a cheat day. And I really feel like crap, right? It's gut health. I feel just bogged down, tired. One of the reasons I like, and it's not a mental or or like any kind of body dysmorphia type thing, but I like a fasted run every morning because I just want to be as light as possible. I don't know if that makes sense. And then I come back and I have like a light lunch. And also too, when I used to work in the banking industry, I hated having big lunches with my coworkers because then I felt like I was useless the rest of the afternoon. You know what I mean? So there was some, just some fatigue factors in, in my nutrition decisions. And it's a couple parted question, but I think I'll get there. But do you also see that gut kind of like response and the fatigue Like in the older, again, as an older person, an older client in that 35 to 45 range, can we speak a little bit um, before we wrap up on gut health and the fatigue aspect of kind of, again, I I love your positivity and it's okay to eat, you got to eat, but what are those factors that make, you know, me feel like my gut is nasty, bloated, and then also equals fatigue. I just want to like not do anything. Can you touch on that just a little bit in what you see?
1: Sure, I'm happy to. So we we're talking about two separate things: so gut health and gut microbiota, meaning the bacteria that is in your gut, is a, a sort of a separate area of study. And yes, there's it's it's growing so much; it's fascinating. There's a huge connection between your brain and your gut health, or so your emotions and your. There's so much information. That's why right you now.
0: feel you feel it.
1: Well, that is one area of study, but what I think you're talking about more so is it sounds like you're actually listening to your body, which is beautiful and wonderful. When you certain nutrients, fats, for example, proteins, they take a longer, they move through our gut much more slowly, right? So when we eat them or we eat a lot at once, we can feel uncomfortable. We can feel full for a much longer time period. It takes a longer time to digest. What you were saying about a fasted run This is also individualized to people, but I know for myself, I cannot eat about three hours before I go for a run. I have to be very well hydrated. I might have some caffeine if it's in the morning. I run very well that way. My husband is completely different. He'll eat a bowl of oatmeal, a banana, a ton of carbs. carbs. Yeah. 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 Um, And then he even eats eggs sometimes. He eats a full breakfast and he can go off on a run and he, Is just his, his body, I don't know, his digestive system, it just works for him, you know, but that is trial and error. And that is listening to your body and knowing, you know, what's going on as far as having, yeah, if you are sedentary. So if you have, you know, if you work in an office environment, you sit down to like a lunch that has a lot of fats, be them unsaturated, saturated, you know, whatever they are. And then you're going to go to your desk and sit for a while. Yeah, that can feel really uncomfortable. Um, and that's environmental too. You know, if you're out with people, it's social. There are certain foods that are available. You might tend to eat more. You might not because you're a little distracted by conversation or stress. If it's a work, a work event, you might not be doing what we call intuitive eating and really listening, you know, getting that feedback from your body. Hey, do I actually want this? Do I actually still have hunger? Do I, you know, you get disassociated a little bit and you might tend to eat more than you need to. So that's really like more what I call like responsive eating or intuitive eating. So understanding some of what the nutrition is, like, hey, this is going to take a long time to digest, which sometimes is great. If you know you're not going to eat again for six hours, you might want to load up on these foods, right?
0: So, so is, which I, I hope I'm not jumping, but so is being full, the word full, is being full a feeling or is it, how do you know? Because I feel like there's no in between. I feel like I'm hungry, 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 and then I'm like, oh man, I'm stuffed. Like that, agree, that brings agree. up that question. What? Yeah. Like, how do you know? Because I again, I really want you to help me with this because you are so positive on everything. How do I know I'm full? But you kind of sometimes feel like, ah, oh, you know what? I, like we talked about the, the, my daughter's chicken nuggets. How do I know I'm full versus how do I know? All right, I should stop. Like, is that sound crazy for me to say? Because I. I'm either still hungry, I feel like, or then I'm like stuffed. It's just, I don't see the in-between of that.
1: That's an excellent question. And I think everyone should understand this if they're thinking a lot about their eating. First of all, eating is very complex. It's a bio-psycho-social process, right? So biology going on, psych, and then there's social elements, you know. But there is a difference between hunger and appetite. So hunger is that level of how literally how full- or empty you feel in your body, right? And appetite is how much you enjoy, how satisfying a food is and how not satisfying it is. Okay. So that's why sometimes people get really confused and they say like, I don't understand. I'm so full, but I'm still hungry. That is usually, happens to a lot of dieters because they'll try to load up on a lot of foods that are low calorie and they'll get that sensation of fullness in their belly, but they'll still want something else that they still have an appetite for something that's why it is because they want to eat something they enjoy right so that's why it's very important to include and incorporate foods that you actually enjoy into your diet and not just eat and i'm using air quotes the healthy stuff um and that's why we feel so kind of like you know not everyone but a lot of people feel kind of unhappy on those very limited you know sort of diets and, and eating plans right the other thing I want to say, and I don't know your personal history at all, but I'll just speak from my own experience and from clients I work with when, and research again, like when people are used to restricting or dieting their ability to feel that, and I'm using my hands. I wish I could show you there's a Ooh. spectrum, like fullness is on one side or stuffed. Like I can't, I can't even move. Right. And on the other side of the spectrum is I'm starving. Like I would eat, you know, my arm right now, right? So there's two sides, right? So when we diet a lot, if we become very, and now I have my hands in the middle, we want to stay in the middle. We want to get a little hungry and we're going to feed ourselves and come back to the middle. When we diet a lot, we get very desensitized to those finer points and we have to get way out to the spectrum. We don't know we're hungry until we're starving. And then we don't know that we're actually full or satisfied until we're stuffed. So we want to be more fine tuned and be able to feel those starting and stopping points. And that is a lot of listening to your body,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, being an intuitive eater, which means being very connected to those sensations and understanding, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm satisfied. I really like that, but you know what? I didn't have enough. So I need to eat more of, I usually it's more fats and, you know, fibrous foods and proteins like you need to kind of listen and get that feedback like you're saying you're so responsive to the you know to the different part your partners you've had you understood what's going on there you need to be responsive to like your body as well and running to bring it back to running any kind of physical activity this is called interoception being able to feel I guess you should say or hear body sensations being physically active is linked with increasing your body awareness and being able to hear those those sensations so uh more active so those are kind of benefit i Mm. would say like let's run every day so that we can have better body esteem a better body connection as opposed to let me go for my run because i ate a lot this morning you know or last night which kind of feels like drudgery and like, ah, I need to take care of myself as opposed to let me go so I can feel more relaxed tonight, you know, and let me go so that I can feel what's going on today.
0: So I part of, so our warehouse and our manufacturing area, like I go, so it's crazy to say the psychosis part of it, right? Like I go to work a lot. You know, I think we joke college kids, freshman 15 when COVID hit and we're home. There's so many times I'm home And I find myself, I literally go to the fridge, open it like the little kid, and I'm like, what's in here? Right. I hate to say there's definitely the mental aspect of it, what I found I had become what I call, I don't know if this is the word for it, a board eater. Does that make sense? Or like we're watching a movie. What are we gonna eat with this movie, popcorn? Where I had to kind of figure out, like, okay, you want to enjoy popcorn with a movie? Exactly. You said this is fine. We want to do that as a family. That's fun. Obviously, we, you know, I part of loving the pandemic, save money, don't have. Spending money on popcorn at a movie is very expensive. Doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. it at home was a lot better. But yes, I try at home. But to my get to my point faster, when I'm at work, it's go 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 meeting meeting meeting. The warehouse needs this. This needs that. Five o'clock hits, and I'm sure you are as you, as an entrepreneur. Same with me. Like you're like oh my god. I get home. I am a little famished because I went all day and forgot. Not I don't say forgot, but I didn't even have time to take lunch. Right or take a like, you know, when you are nine to five and, and things are a little more structured and you have your one hour lunch break, that's all great, don't get me wrong, regardless what position or how you are in life. But I'm like, and I feel like sometimes I'm like, all right, I mean, tomorrow, remind yourself to eat a little something because then I feel like I come home, exactly what you just said, I stuff myself. Or if I'm working from home right now, you know, as people can see, I might be, I'm doing this from home this morning. I don't want to go to the fridge and be like, I'm bored and look in there. So what I'm saying, and and it's maybe not a question, but the psychosis part of it is you have to really know what situation you're in personally. Because like I said, I found too, like the board eating was unnecessary, right? Or the not even eating was unnecessary. Like, I love that you're even saying exactly what I think everyone already knows they feel. And that's that figuring out what is best, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're talking about it goes back to what we were saying earlier about feeding yourself regularly and reliably. Like when you are really busy, you don't prioritize lunch. So you want to make sure that you make time to sit down. And I don't know if you said, even if it's quick, if it's a bar or something that you're going to eat, right. make sure no. you're feeding yourself. So the rest of the day goes better. And board eating is a type of emotional eating, which is a whole nother subject that we, you know, talk about a lot with my clients and, and people worry about a lot, which Some emotional leaning is very normal when we use it to distract from an ongoing problem. That's when we, you know, go, we need to talk about that Um, and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: feel like food, no, and food, alcohol, obviously drug addiction. I definitely feel like people I've realized that, yeah, there's vices, right. And people have good vices, bad vices. I think too, what I'm learning as I get older and, and like, exactly. We don't need to get into these subjects, but the addictions of, you know, shopping even or you know what I mean? Like food, alcohol, drugs, obviously, I feel like that. And it doesn't help that things are getting easier. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But the fact that you literally can have your groceries delivered to you in under an hour, you know what I mean? Things are so easier. Now, is that a good thing? Bad thing? You know, the good old example, don't go to the grocery store hungry, right? (laughs) Stuff like that. So I don't want to take you've been so generous with your time, Amelia. I want to give you just an opportunity if you don't mind Kind of anything any site people can go any personal shout out you want to give i want to tell the audience and even while we're on air amelia personally i'll be reaching out to you very shortly i would love you to kind of investigate my family stuff so i maybe want to look at the becoming your client possibly if you don't mind but real quick while we end if there's anything you want to kind of shout out tell our audience i will 1000 put all if you don't mind put all of your contact information In both this podcast and I'd even like to talk to you about potentially an email we can put together to our audience from you and and we love to share a lot of content via email to even more subscribers. So you and I will talk about a lot more offline. But uh, let me give you a last opportunity to kind of throw anything out there that maybe I forgot to ask that you want to say please.
1: Thank you so much. That's a great conversation. Yeah. I'd love to be part of your community. I'm so happy that, you know, again, to be connected with runners and there's something we all share, right. That sort of grit element of getting out there and and running it. And I love it. Yeah. If you're in the New York area, I have private practice. It's Amelia Sherry, like the drink, ameliasherry.com. You can look me up. You can book a call with me. I, I have to talk to everyone for, you know, usually talk about 20, 30 minutes privately before we decide if we're going to work together, depending again on what your goals are and where you're at. And then I also have nourisher, which is nourish and then her. So there's two H's. Any mom out there who is concerned about how their um, child is eating or how the interactions are going around the table, if meals are feeling really stressed out, if you feel like you're concerned about eating disorder, your own, you know, dieting. A lot of people who love Nourisher have recovered from chronic dieting, or they're in the anti-diet space to at every size, weight neutral. Moms who have interest in that will love Nourisher. You can come there, sign up for a free workshop, get on my email list, One Nourishing Idea, which is also a community. And that's about it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So Amelia, thank you so much. Uh, Like I said, I'll keep you posted. If you are okay with me, I'd love to contact you uh, very shortly for helping my family because I feel like especially getting into the summer and vacations and things like that, I'd love, I think this is a perfect time to spring to kind of set those things up because I do... I will say this, I'll end on this. I feel like the best time, summertime, when you are more active, more out and about, it's also the best time to work on your nutrition. You know what I mean? You know, going out and shopping and getting the right thing. So I feel like it's a great, we're coming up on like a great timing personally. So Amelia, again, thank you so much for being so generous to our audience and our time. I'll keep you posted. I'll stay in touch. And to everyone else, I'm excited to post this one and, and goodbye to our next podcast. Thank you so much, Amelia.
1: Thank you Amy.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.